Father God, in the name of Jesus, I bless the gathering of Grace Community Church. I bless your people. I ask that uh, we'd have a spirit of wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of you. Lord, I ask that we would come to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. And would you do that through the study of your word and the engagement of your body today. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Thanks for hanging out with me. So there is this guy, and his name is Gary. And he's been taking us through a wisdom series uh, all year. Can you all believe it? It's been since January 3rd we've been studying wisdom. Does anybody else feel wiser? I hope you do because it's been really good. I don't know how much wiser I feel, but it's not Gary's fault if I don't. Um, We've been studying wisdom, lots of Proverbs uh, since January 3rd. And I was just really blessed when he approached me this spring and asked me to fill in for him while he's out on sabbatical for the month of July. I've been increasingly excited. I knew pretty quick what the Lord wanted to talk about today. Um... But it was especially nice as the, the last like four weeks of sermons have been going on. I don't know if y'all have caught the pattern, right? So four weeks ago, Father's Day, Gary says, hey, I want to wrap up the wisdom series. We've been talking about a lot of Proverbs, but I want to get to Job and Ecclesiastes, right? And I'm just sitting there as I've, I've got a baby at home. I'm a young father. I'm just sitting there going, please, Gary, don't preach on Job on Father's Day. And he didn't. He preached on Ecclesiastes, but, it, you know, everything is meaningless, right? You know, so we had, he, he preached a really positive message, the most positive take on Ecclesiastes I've ever heard, like the most redemptive, okay, it's not as miserable as we most of us read the book as, right? But everything is meaningless for the whole sermon. And then next week, Job, okay, the classic case of suffering, you know, kind of hell on earth, the worst case scenario, and the redemption of it, it was great. But we got Ecclesiastes, then Job, then Jerry spoke on 4th of July, it was a relief, and then last week, Jonathan spoke on hell. Um, so I, w- I just realized I am set. Whatever I want to talk about, you guys are going to be so grateful because of the last month of messages we've had. So I want to study for the next 30 minutes. I'd like us to look at the plague of boils in 1 Samuel 5. Um, if you would turn to 1 Samuel 5. No, we're not going to do that. Um, we're not going to study that for the next 30 minutes. I want to look at one of my favorite verses. It's been a life verse for me since coming to the Lord and really pursuing him with my whole heart. I'm starting around age 14. I want to look at Proverbs 4.23 and how I believe that, especially my generation, has maybe misapplied it, misinterpreted it, and what does the word say um, about it. So let's look at that, that verse, Proverbs 4.23. I memorized it in NIV a long time ago, so we're going to read it from that translation. Above all else... Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So the verse itself kind of answers the question, why should we study this verse? Right? You look at it and it says, above all else, like on top of everything else, more than anything else that you do, guard your heart. Now, I, I looked up that word all in the Hebrew. You know what it means? Thank you. Good. You've been, you've heard Gary before. All, above all else, guard your heart. So there's a a scriptural priority given to us on this verse, and it's kind of snuck in the middle of Proverbs 4. You know, you can just kind of read through it and maybe not catch it until you get this. Above all else, in front of everything else you do, guard your heart. And it can sneak up on you. It was cool. I had a devotional this morning. It was really just a nice little note slipped under the door from the Lord because one of my daily YouVersion Bible study devos had Proverbs 4 in it and included Proverbs 4.23. It was kind of a wink from the Lord and just a helpful confirmation that he wants to talk about it today. So why should we study this verse? It says, above all else, 
guard your heart. Now, what's your heart? Let's define that. Strong's definitions defines your heart as the feelings, the will, and the intellect. Okay, it's kind of the core of who you are. It's your mind, your will, and your emotions. So these are pretty important stuff, right? And again, it says, for, from this flows everything you do. So if we talk about the heart, that's what we're talking about. It's your ability to decide, your ability to feel, your ability to think. Guard that above all else. Let's look at a couple of other English translations. I love looking at a few different um, ways to look at, because the Hebrew can be translated a couple different ways. Let's look at NASB first for the same verse. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Okay, watch over your ability to choose and feel and that kind of stuff. And then NLT, one of my favorite versions to read from or especially to speak from in public. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Okay, we continue to see just the priority that Scripture places on this. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. How do we guard that? What does that look like? Well, I, my, my thesis today is that my generation missed it. My thesis today is, in my experience, the, at least all the people that I've ever heard quote this verse and try and live it out, right? It's even become a joke. Guard your heart, bro, right? Like, it's almost exclusively applied to romantic relationships. It's almost exclusively applied to, like, the dating, courtship, DTR, to find the relationship side of things. And it's almost always, if you boil it down to the root of it, an excuse for self-protection, I think that everybody that I know of anyway that has, that has really tried to, to work on this verse, if you look at it, it's really a lot of just kind of fear-based self-protection. Guard your heart, bro. Don't get too invested in that. Well, watch out. She might betray you like the last one. Oh, he might, you know, go south on you and dump you. Guard your heart. Don't get too invested. Don't love too hard. Don't give too much of yourself because you might be disappointed. I believe that that's how my people, and where are my millennials at? Anybody? 1981 to 1996. Extra first service treasure in heaven for you. Okay, first service. Any Gen Z? All the Gen Z? Yep, okay, all four of you. Treasure in heaven for you. Praise God. Okay, so first service. I believe that my generation has totally missed it. I was single for 30 years and just years at the cornerstone from 2005 on. I just saw a bunch of us single folks miss this. So it's really important to me to figure out what does the word say? Where else does guard and heart show up in Scripture? The same Hebrew word. We're going to look at that. But before we do, I, I realized a pop culture analogy that I believe will help us understand what most people do with this verse. Uh, anybody heard of Fruit Ninja? You heard of Fruit Ninja? It's okay. It's a video game. If you haven't heard of it, it's a video game where like large fruit is thrown at your face. And you stand there with the sword and your video game sword. My mom was hilarious to watch with the, we had a Wii and we played Fruit Ninja. She, she, she's a closet gamer, y'all. It's really amusing. But <laughs> until I got a toddler, it was one of the most amusing things I've ever seen in my life. Uh, was my mom playing Fruit Ninja. So it's like watermelons and banana bunches and cantaloupes and stuff coming at your face. And your job is to slash it with your sword, your video game sword, before it, the fruit can smack you in the face. So I personally believe that my generation and most people interpret Proverbs 4.23 like Fruit Ninja. And so we're going to watch this video, which I believe will be a graphic representation of how people handle this, and I'm going to provide some inner dialogue for how I believe most people live out Proverbs 4.23. Let's watch this. You are the chosen one. Guardian of the forest. 
Okay, so I believe that's how <laughs> my generation has employed the concept of guard your heart. Stuff's being thrown at you all the time. Self-protect, self-protect, self-protect. Watch out. Be careful. Don't invest. Shelter. Okay, but I do not believe that is what the scripture teaches about Proverbs 4.23. So I want to look at places where this word heart is used in scripture and places where the word guard is used in scripture. And I think we're going to get a, a more complete picture. So my thesis is to guard your heart is to press into God who is your guardian. I really believe Proverbs 4.23's best interpretation and best application in your life is to guard your heart is to press in to God who is the one responsible for being the guardian of your heart. Okay, let's look at some scriptures where that word heart is used. Same Hebrew root word. Start with Psalm 7, verse 10. My shield is with God who saves the upright in heart. Okay, it presents God's identity as a shield for those of us whose heart is upright through the transforming power of Jesus. God saves the upright in heart because he is a shield. Psalm 27, one of my favorite verses for a long time. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. Okay, the Lord is your light. The Lord is your salvation. The Lord is the one who guards. We see this throughout Scripture, different names of God representing his heart towards you. Psalm 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart, second time, same word, same verse. Therefore, my heart exalts, and with my song, I shall thank him. I love that Larry ended the, the worship set with, let's praise God with all of our heart and all of our soul and everything we have, right? Your mind, your will, and your emotions is to praise the Lord, and you're going to find refuge hidden in the Lord. So that's what I believe Proverbs 4.23 is talking about when it says to guard your heart, that your heart is safest with the Lord. And we see it scripturally in context over and over. Now I want to speak to some of us that you may be sitting there going, well, my heart's already, oops. You know, my heart's already been broken either through my sin or the consequences of my sin or other people sinning against me. I know a lot of your stories. I know a lot of what you're walking through. And those of you I don't know, I can guess. Some of us are in a place where the heart's already been unguarded or it's been stolen from, right? And I just want to say this verse is particularly for you. God is especially close to the brokenhearted and those that have already had their heart stolen from them. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So as we talk about the heart today and how to guard it better going forward, for those of us that have experienced loss, again, through our own sin, and I'm at the head of that line of losing because of my own, the consequences of my own sinful actions, or because if you've been sinned against through some sort of trauma, some sort of mess, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And that's for you, and you can take that to the bank 
And you can deal with it through the pastor of counseling. You deal it through prayer ministry. You can deal it through the different resources we have at the church. But the Lord is for you. And he has a solution for so much, eventually all, of your pain and your loss. Okay, and this is another favorite verse before we finish talking about the heart right now. Lamentations 3, this, this passage got me out of depression in 2011. One of the most powerful verses for scripture application in my whole life. Lamentations 3, this I recall to my mind. Translated heart in a lot of other places, but that's the same word. This I recall to my mind and my heart. Therefore, I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. Okay, when we recall to our heart, our mind, the core of our being, recall that the Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, then the mercies and the hope comes for your heart. Again, the thesis is to guard your heart is to press into the God who is your guardian of your heart. So again, Proverbs 4.23, let's look at that verse one more time from NIV. This is what we've been talking about the whole time. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Okay, let's talk about guard. We found some places where that same word for heart is used. Let's look at different places where Scripture uses that word Guard, because I believe, especially those of us that have you know, been stolen from or in a broken or, or a hurting place today, some of us are struggling to believe that God is a guard for you. Some of you just logically, just like Larry led us in worship, you struggle to believe that God loves you. Some of us are in a place where you wouldn't be able to clearly and with good conscience say you really believe that God is a guard for you. So regardless of your experience, though, we submit our experience to the Scripture because the scripture never changes. Experience changes all the time. But we're going to submit our broken experiences. And again, I'm not, I'm not preaching as one who's got everything together. We take our broken experiences and we submit it to the promises of God that never change in his character. And you're going to see it played out. And it's going to work for you. You just got to wait on the Lord sometimes. Okay, let's look at the first place this word guard is used in scripture. Exodus 34, verses 5 through 7. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with Moses as he called upon the name of the Lord. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and declared his name, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgressions, and sin. So where it says God keeps Loving kindness for thousands of people, thousands of generations. Same word, guard. God guards loving kindness. He has loving kindness guarded, stored up, prepared for you. That's the first mention of that word in Scripture. Second time that word is mentioned, Deuteronomy 32, verse 10. God's talking about his people, Jacob, Israel, and by extension, you. If you're in Jesus, you've been grafted into the vine, so you can claim a lot of this promise here. Deuteronomy 32, 10. God found him in a desert land, and in the howling waste of a wilderness, he encircled him, he cared for him, he guarded him as the pupil of his eye. So God guards his people as the pupil of his eye. How do you guard the pupil of your eye? Like, God's given us some amazing blink reflexes, right? And kind of, something's coming at, you know, you can study the neurology and the, the physics of that, and just the way that God designed the biology there. But you also guard the pupil of your eye 
by blocking stuff. You see something coming at your face, like a large piece of fruit in the Fruit Ninja game. You're gonna, if you don't have a sword and you're not gonna punch it like the big guy in the kimono, you're gonna guard your face. You're gonna guard the pupil of your eye. And it says that God has tasked himself with doing that for you. Regardless of our broken experiences due to the, the flesh, the world, and the evil one, we could, we could fill the stage with unthanksgiving testimonies of times that it, we haven't seen it work out like we would want it to, right? But he has promised in his word it doesn't change. He guards you like he guards the pupil of his eye. So I want you to know that God is playing Fruit Ninja for you. God has set himself up. He's going to come in and pinch hit, pinch run for you. God is the one who has set himself up to play Fruit Ninja for you with all the stuff coming at you. If you will, you know, get out of the way or get in the middle of his will, he will do it. He will protect you. And the ultimate expression of that is Jesus' purchase of your salvation to get you to heaven, which is the ultimate protection from the consequences of yours and others' actions. We may not taste it all on earth. I'm not here to say that you're going to taste it all on earth. I'm here to say you can look forward to heaven, and he is going to guard you like the pupil of his eye. A few more verses with this guard thought. Isaiah 26, 3. The steadfast of mind, you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. Steadfast of mind, God will guard or keep in perfect peace when we trust in him. And if you've got the notes, the sermon notes, I believe are available out in the lobby. If you didn't get a chance on the way in, you can grab them on the way out. I've got a long list of verses that have God's heart for you, God's guarding for you. Uh, and I just listed them out. So we can't go over all of them today, but you can find it in the notes. And I hope that can be a resource for those of you that need those kinds of encouragements today and this week. Okay, we're going to transition just from the, the guard and the heart. I want to talk about strongholds for just a minute because the Lord really laid this on my heart. We're talking about God being your guardian, right? You press into the God who is your guardian, and there you are safe. There your mind, your will, and your emotions are most guarded. And I want to talk about God as our stronghold. The title of this message, if you got the notes, is The Lord, My Only Stronghold. And that's how we want to live it out. So let's look at that just real quick, the last few minutes. Second Samuel 22 Verse 3, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior, you save me from violence. So I love the word stronghold here, most accurately applied to God. This is the words of David from Second Samuel. We've been studying David in the young adult ministry this summer. It's been a really good time, at least for me. Um, we talk about God as your stronghold. Now, that's not a common, you know, modern English word, right? A stronghold is like a place of defense, like a castle, like uh, a high tower, a place that you go to and you are safe. When you're the subjects of the king get to come out from their fields, when the nation's being attacked, they get to come into the stronghold, into the, the keep, the castle, the tower, okay? That's God's image for himself. He is the stronghold, and I would argue he should be the only stronghold, the only place we go to for defense and for protection is nestling into the Lord under the shadow of his wings. There's so many different names of God that apply to this image, right? But I want to encourage you, some of us don't always run to the Lord when we need that comfort or when we feel like we're attacked or going to be attacked, okay? And that in, in the kind of counseling prayer ministry, again, I'm the pastor of prayer here. I work very, very closely with my friend James Bedwell, who's the pastor of counseling here. And I love working with him. I love getting to do what we do. But we work a lot with people on, you know, 
the manifestation of other strongholds, like sinful strongholds, like a place, I heard a pastor define it once as a place where the devil feels comfortable in your life, a place where you are taking your need for comfort or what we would otherwise do as self-protection and you're running to a substance, you know, and I've, I've been there, running to a substance, running to, you know, overeating, alcohol, porn, wherever our, our self-comforter, self-medication stuff lies. A lot of times in the spiritual realm, we can call that a stronghold, a place where we go to for comfort that is not the Lord and a place where the devil feels comfortable in your life. That just helps, it help, the, the concept of a place where the enemy feels comfortable helps me engage my kind of warrior mentality. We got a lot of warrior women and warrior men in here and just the, the thought of, I don't want the devil comfortable in my, oh my gosh, the, the chaos over here in this part of my family is because, well, the devil's comfortable in that room, right? The chaos in this area, the bad fruit and consequences in my life, on this area of my life, well, that's because the devil is, has made himself home. Jesus is Lord, if you're in Jesus, you can have Jesus be Lord, but you can have like certain rooms of your house. I get that picture, like where you haven't yet. Okay, well, Jesus, that's kind of my dirty closet. So, you know, you stay over here, and what you realize is me and the, me and the devil are going to be hanging out over here because I'm ashamed to bring it to Jesus or why ever we don't bring our stuff to the Lord. But I just want to challenge you. Make the Lord your only stronghold. Make the Lord the place where you go to for that comfort and for meeting that need and that kind of thing. And some of us need professional help. I've gotten so much amazing Christian counseling over the years and just deliverance ministry. And like I said, I've struggled with depression. I've struggled with uncontrollable anger issues. I've struggled with suicide. And the Lord's delivered me from all of it. The devil is no longer comfortable in those places in my life because the Lord Jesus has taken his place in those rooms in my life. I'm not perfect at it, okay? I still struggle. I still sin in those areas, but I don't practice it like Paul would say. I don't practice the sinning. The devil is not comfortable there. If he gets in and he sits down for a minute, I might let him sit for a second in my sin, and I slap him out, and the Lord comes and helps me slap him out. That's the difference. So you may need to go to our amazing counseling ministry here at Grace. You may need to spend more time in the Grace House of Prayer to press into the Lord as your stronghold. But I just want to give that word picture because I think the Lord said it's going to be helpful to some of you in some of your struggle areas, okay? Make the Lord your only stronghold. And here's a verse, is how we fight. Okay, I want to kind of close with this before we look at application real quick. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And you need to get real good at doing it for yourself, too. Okay? It's not just about them and their problems. This is a way we can apply that scripture to our own lives and follow Jesus better. Okay? So above all else, guard your heart. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. God is very interested in prioritizing the protection of your mind, your will, and your emotions as you press into him. Because everything you do flows out from that. So how do, we, how do we apply this? What do we do in response, right? Anytime you study the word, it's most helpful, I would say sometimes only helpful, if 
you take the word and you go, okay, what am I going to do about this? I just learned from the word. We Americans are real good at, I have read 372 verses, you know, whatever. But how are you going to apply? The Lord's given me three responses that I'd encourage you guys to move towards. First, and this is something I'm really applying in my own life in this season, is stay strong in personal, intimate time with the Lord on a daily basis. That's going to be foundational to the guarding of your heart. Again, I've got my baby dude is not yet two. Uh, it's been the most challenging two years of my life, the most rewarding, because he's beautiful and he's wonderful, but I was telling somebody earlier, I live in naps, you know, nap, that's all I get. Sometimes I nap at night, but, you know, it's just, just a whole different world for me, and y'all, the, I spent the first year of his life daily with the Lord. I was still getting up at five, and then I just, I kind of flamed out around January, I just kind of, you know, I'm, I'm going to spend time with the Lord with my baby in my chest, and it's wonderful, and he's napping, and, but that's, you know, I, I got to get more food i got to get more time with the Lord. So right now, if I don't get up between 4 and 6 a.m. every day, I don't get time alone with Jesus. So right now, by the grace of God and by the strength he supplies and by how much he feeds me in those moments, I get up between 4 and 6 every day, and that's how I spend time with Jesus. So we've all got excuses, but prioritize it because I'm so much more stable when I do. My wife is so much more blessed whenever I prioritize pressing into God who is my guardian by prioritizing daily time with him. So if you've gotten off the wagon, there's grace for you or you found creative ways to to do it, there's grace for you. But prioritize it wherever life stage you're at, and that's going to guard your heart. Okay, the second thing, thinking about in corona world, in COVID world, like I'm personally convinced this generation is going to come to know BC as before corona and CE as the corona era. I really think we've hit that hinge in history. But one of the things that that mess has brought into our lives is just a lot of separation, the isolation side of things. The mental health industry is booming and a lot of just depression and despair and loneliness and anxiety and just all the insular stuff that happens whenever body parts of the body of Christ and the world at large are disconnected. So I want to encourage you, one really practical way to get to connect with the Lord is go to the, the Together Again dinner. Go to these opportunities like the ministry fair that we were talking about today. Go to places where you're guaranteed to encounter human beings in a room and be safe. You know, if you need to wear masks, medical conditions, all that, follow science. But go connect with the body of Christ, and you will find, as you find places to serve and minister, like Mike Lopez was talking about 20 minutes ago, talking about, I just sat there in the chair, you know, in 2006, and then I learned a place to serve, and it connected, and he is so full of life. I love that man. He ministers to my baby in the, in the little kid's classroom back there. Like, life happens when you connect with other people and you find a place to serve. So you'll find a lot of times the Lord's going to drive out some of the mess that may be in your life as you find a place to serve. And just the third thing is discovering jihad. I just want to sell that like a month from now. Again, as of June 1st, like six weeks ago, I took over the the Grace House of Prayer, which is a huge stewardship. And in fear and trembling, I'm walking through with an amazing lead team. But we're doing a discovering jihad thing in a month from now. We're going to take three Sunday afternoons in a row after church. And just what does the church say about prophecy and about healing? And how do we make my prayer life more interesting? And what are strategies to really engage with the Lord on a daily basis and not burn out like Joey just said that he did in January with his baby on his lap. And just, you know, just how, do we, how do we do this better? So I encourage you, things like that that the church offers, go after it, engage with it. Okay, I want to close with just a congregational reading. We don't always do this much, but I'd invite you, if you're physically able, would you stand with me? I just want to reread Psalm 27.1, and I want you to declare it with power, like you're talking to the God that we've been talking about for the last few minutes, okay? We're going to declare this as a congregation against what the enemy in our experience would say about your life.
Okay, we're going to say this nice and loud all together. Okay, I know it's first service. Y'all can do it. You're here with the passion. Ready? Go. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Amen.